Hey there, podcast listener. Steven here from the podcast you're currently listening to. You ever heard a podcast and think, I can do that? Well, maybe you can, or maybe you can't, or maybe I can help you get started with it. Hosting is the most expensive cost you'll have in a podcast, and that's why Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast. Really, they have everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. With Anchor's hosting, you can distribute your podcast to other listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a whole lot more. And if you think you can do a better job than I, record a podcast right now. There's very low risk involved. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to the Lazy Geeks Network. Welcome, everybody, to the Lazy Geeks podcast, our weekly news podcast that discuss that discusses geek news that uh, only interests us for the past week. This is for the week of July 16th, 2017. I'm Stephen Vargas. I'm Adam Riley. So, so, so we are literally a week away, or less than a week away, from this year's San Diego Comic-Con so we will pr- nowadays it's it's not so much of a big deal so you know most of this shit will has probably already been released <laughs> as, you know that uh you know it, it seems that you know we don't have to really discuss this whole much of that but we will be talking about some of that news that comes out of comic-con next week on uh next sunday show so uh or monday show uh, and uh so yeah we'll cover that oh we will I guess. I mean, we we have for the last seven years, so I don't see why we wouldn't do it this time. <laughs> and one year we were actually there, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> a long, long time ago. Oh man, we were there. Yes, we were. Remember the? And you can find actually, you can still you can still find the those, the Comic Con episodes. Uh, the first one we did a two part of that week, right? Yeah, I think we yep. did. We did a two part. We did it in the hotel room. Yeah, and we did one, and then the sec the the second one was just like a Sunday afternoon where we were just completely delirious. Right. <laughs> we're just like, all oh, these four days just kind of mashed together. I don't remember the last time I showered. You know, I burned of... about, I burned about a million calories. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just walking around. <laughs> oh man. All right. But we, we kind of ate like shit though. Oh yeah. Oh, fuck let's be yeah, real. Yeah, we, 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 they, they sell the shittiest food at fucking comic con. <laughs> And then we had the, and then we had uh, those the, um, when we went out to dinner. You know, we had some uh, just 
that it was it's one of those that if you're on a diet you're not going to be for that week is really what it's you know it, it, it yeah that's really what's gonna happen right <laughs> uh and um and and don't do what adam did don't bring a over the shoulder bag bring a backpack yes <laughs> i brought the think geek uh over the shoulder bag which i i have the new one now i still love it but uh, <laughs> when you're on a long trek get yourself something that is a little bit better on the old back <laughs> and the shoulder i tore the muscle all up I, it took like a month oh really it took that long i, I don't yeah remember. like it was it was slowly getting better, but it took it to a month until it got completely healed. But the it was like it was like caved in. It had torn <laughs> all the fucking muscles in my shoulder. Yeah, we had a uh, yeah because I had I had learned because I had went the year before with um, with uh, an ex of mine, and uh, we were like, okay, all the mistakes we made this time, let's not make them again. <laughs> and then right. Adam's like, I got this magic bag, I'll hold it. I got this. I'm like, all right. And then, like, uh, like the second day, he's like, fuck, kill me. Shoot fuck me. Back. <laughs> Take that scepter, just run it through my heart. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, was a good time, though. That was a good time. Yep. Uh, so, uh, before we um, before we get into uh, this week's show, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, just uh, wanted to kind of apologize for the audio last week. Um, for those of you that listened, you probably heard a slight echo. And apparently there was a volume issue that apparently there was some uh, sound leakage out of my headphones that caught onto my microphone. So you kind of heard Adam's audio, not just on his track, but also seeping in on mine. So it created kind of a nasty echo. I, I'm annoyed by stuff like that, and I'm pretty sure there's probably some of you out there that are too. So um, I wanted to kind of apologize for that and um, taking some precautions this time, even using new headphones to um, prevent that issue from last week. Um, so yeah, um, also, so basically they got to hear me twice, which isn't necessarily a bad, no, but I, and which isn't, I mean, if you were on both tracks, it probably would have been fine. But the thing is you weren't supposed to be on both <laughs> tracks. So that's what makes it a little annoying. Um, also site redesign guys. We, uh, I, I've gone ahead and re, uh, re, um, reset up the, the website. Um, I'm kind of gone through this whole little phase of just kind of getting back into everything and, and, and writing more news and if you guys have checked out the news on Sunday you'll notice there's quite a few updates so uh, definitely check it out uh, kind of redone everything and I, I think it looks cool I kind of like the way it's set up um, I get a little more free functionality to kind of put up there what I like you know, we have a lot of like the the podcasts are just kind of all set up for the like the last five episodes, and then like my our editors pick, which is some of the stuff that I think is um, like the cooler or um, things that I I particularly like. So, um, so you guys should check that out there. Um, but yeah, so on that on that note, um, finally binged uh, season three of The Flash. Uh, been it, um, because all that sh- you know, Flash, Supergirl, Arrow, and all of them came out on Netflix like a week after their finales. So got to see all of season three of the Flash. Um, gotta admit, kind of cool. Uh, we started with Flashpoint, and the season ends with Barry having to pay the price for Flashpoint because um, the you know the baddie in this was you know um, Savitar who was spawned because of Flashpoint and 
then at the end, you know, he has to kind of pay the price for it. So it was actually really cool. Got some good arc with some of the other the other actors in there. Um, I, I thought it was actually better than season two. Um, and I kind of wish we got a little longer Flashpoint. Um, yeah. But, uh, but you know, to for its purpose, it actually, I thought it did pretty well. Plus in this season, you know, we had the, the part one, the real part one of the, you know, um, uh, major crossover and their musical episode. Um, and they had some really, some really good standalone episodes in there. So I thought it was actually really cool. I, I've, I've always kind of enjoyed flash, um, from season one, season two, I enjoyed probably not as much as season one, but I thought season three kind of did a night. They did a little better of a nice balance. Like there were episodes that got really heavy with Barry and, you know, everything that was going on. And then you had like a light episode after that, you know, and then some mixtures of it. So it really, I think, does good as flipping back and forth between, you know, dark and light and um, and really kind of, you know, forced Barry to kind of stay on the, you know, you always hear like, what are you prepared to do, you know, to, to save people or save one you love? And, you know, then there's some outside forces kind of saying, but, you know. I get that, but you you need to stay the hero. And um, a good episode with Captain Cole in this one, and I like uh, I like the guy that plays Captain Cole in this in um, in Flash. So he's a guy from uh, uh, Prison Break. Went can't remember his name, uh, but I thought it was really cool episode, um, really cool season. So yeah, if you guys haven't checked it out, or if you're kind of burnt after season two, check out season three. Um, I think it will kind of restore it there. And then uh, season four already began production, and from, uh, uh, like we like we've heard before, it's not going to be a speedster this time. Dun dun dun! I'm so behind on that fucking show, dude. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I it can't. I can't even justifiably say behind anymore. No, you didn't even see all of season I just, one. I haven't right? seen the show. Yeah, like <laughs> it's ridiculous. the The biggest villain I remember last is the tornado one. Dude, which was like episode ep- two. Yeah, I was gonna say episode one or two. Right. Um, but I mean, dude, this season had had more um, Gorilla Grodd, Gro- um, Gorilla City, more King what I Shark. Should do, what I should do is make a schedule to catch up on all these shows because I need to catch up on this one, Doctor Who. Yes. I'm not. I'm not really interested in the Arrow, to be honest with you. But maybe I don't know. But because I'm trying to get away from my computer during the week, like last week, I didn't use my computer from the only day I used it was Monday, which is really unheard of. Right. So I think if I'm not doing it, but you can do it on your Xbox. That's what I'm saying. I can I, with not being on the computer, I can go watch it on TV or something. Yeah. So I, I watched all of Supergirl. Uh, but that was mainly because oh, my kids, my kids got really into it. Oh, so what? Um, what season did you watch of Supergirl? All the ones that are on Netflix. Oh, all all two or all two of them? Yeah. Oh, oh wow. Okay, that's cool. And because Supergirl's super cute. What'd you think like, of the, What'd you think of their Superman? I thought he was good. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, because he's good because he's he's um he's not supposed to be the main character. Right. So I think he he did a good job as being Superman, but also being in the background. Yeah. You know, so I thought that was pretty good. I love, um, I love the little, the little thing in the in his first appearance in the first episode where the the guy's like, "We're going, we're moving back to Gotham." 
<laughs> right. And I, I do think um, she, especially in the second season, you can see that she's gotten much more comfortable yeah. being Supergirl. I like you her. Know? I like her as Supergirl. Yeah, she's cool. And then when she it's... when she mixes with Barry, it's such a great combination. Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I saw all of that one. Um, uh, there was also the, the other show that I saw all of because of the kids. <laughs> What's this show called Lab Rats, um, which is on <laughs> Disney Channel. And it was funny because every once in a while, those D- a Disney Channel will catch me. Like, and I'll be like, shit, this show is funny as fuck. <laughs> and before that, it was this show called Victorious, which was on Nickelodeon. And it was just funny. So I just watched it with the kids. And then this one's Lab Rats is about um, three bionic teenagers with, like, superpowers. And <laughs> it's just stupid funny. And I just couldn't <laughs> stop watching it. And then they, there's this other show on Disney called Mighty Meds, which we, ha- we haven't watched. Um, where it's a it's a hospital for superheroes, and it's two teenagers that are like doctors there for some fucking reason. Nah. It's Disney, and they did a crossover episode. Oh what? So there were superheroes. It was like a different dimension type shit. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like I was I was a hundred percent on board, dude. <laughs> and I was telling my friend at work, I was like, yeah, I've been watching that Lab Rats. It's kind of funny. He's like, isn't that that Disney show? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, what the fuck? Why would you watch that dumb shit? I said, because you know what? When you have kids. You just, you stop caring about if it's cool or not, <laughs> and you just find some way to enjoy it, because you're going to have to fucking watch it. Right. You know, or you're going to be that dick parent that doesn't let their kids ever watch anything, <laughs> because <laughs> you don't want to watch it. Right, exactly. So I was, you know, Lab Rats, I, I suggest it, if you, <laughs> if you enjoy those kind of shows. Even if you don't have kids. <laughs> right, fuck it, just go watch it. Oh, man. All right, so um, today we're recording this on a Sunday, as we normally do, um, and we had two passings today. Um, first one, basically the the zombie king, the zombie vil- um, zombie film king, uh, passed away uh, today. Uh, George A. Romero who's responsible for the 1968 cult classic Night of the Living Dead, which was made for $114,000. A ton of money back then. Um, And which began all the zombie movies that we got ever since. Passed away today at the age of 77. His producing partner, uh, Peter um, Gernwald, confirmed to um, to the Los Angeles Times that he had died on Sunday in his sleep after a battle with lung cancer. Uh, Romero is the first resident of Pittsburgh and the mo- and shot most of his films around the city. After making the original Night of the Living Dead, a copyright blunder cost him millions of dollars in revenue. According to his recount, he and nine other investors uh, managed to scrape together $6,000 to start production. A script that he co-wrote with John A. Russo, Russo was originally titled Night of the Flesh Eaters. Unfortunately for him, when they changed the title, copyright was not transferred over to Night of the Living Dead, and most of the profits did not make it back to the investors. Quote, We lost the copyright on the film because um, we put it on the title, uh, Romero explained in Night of the Living Steelers, an installment of NFL Films' timeline series that premiered in October. Our Our title was Night of the Flesh Eaters, and they changed it to Night of the Living Dead. When they changed the title, the copyright bug came off, so it went into public domain, and we no longer had a piece of that action. Everyone had a copy of Night of the Living Dead because they were able to sell it without having to worry about royalties going to us. Uh, Since then, he's made other movies like 
1971's There's Always Vanilla, 72's Hungry Wives, and The Crazies in 1973, and never proved to be as successful. He did make a return to the genre he knows best, Zombies. Romero's 1978 sequel, Dawn of the Dead, which was made for $1.5 million and grossed $55 million. It was followed by writing and directing Day of the Dead in 85, Land of the Dead in 2005, Diary of the Dead in 2007, Survival of the Dead in 2009, all of which earned him the name of Father of the Zombie Film. Romero also penned a new version of Night of the Living Dead, released in 1990, that was directed by Tom Savini, his longtime collaborator and um, horror effects guru, and Dawn of the Dead was remade by Zack Snyder in 2004. Uh, quote, I used to be the only guy in the playground. I was the only guy doing zombies, he said to timeline, in the timeline doc. Then, um, then all of a sudden The Walking Dead happened and it became mainstream and now they're all over the place. Mm. So that's that's a legend right there. I mean, if you yeah. if, if if you um, if you think that we have zombies because of The Walking Dead, uh, you need Jesus is really what we're going to try to say. Right. Um, and also an, an acting legend passed away. Uh, Martin Landau, a famous actor from the 60s who was in the TV series Mission Impossible. Um, most notably, if you are a fan of Tim Burton's 1994 film, Ed Wood, he played Bela Lugosi in that film. I always love saying that name, Bela Lugosi. Bela Lugosi. Yeah, Bela Lugosi, uh, which earned him an Oscar, um, uh, an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, died Saturday at 89 from unexpected complications after a brief stay at the UCLA Medical Center. His publicist confirmed on Sunday. Um, now... Landau made his big screen debut in Gregory Peck's war film Chop, um, Pork Chop Hill in 1959, but his first major appearance was in North by Northwest, a role he nabbed when Hitchcock saw him in a stage performance with Edward G. Robinson of uh, Patty Shadevsky's Middle of the Night. And he also starred opposite Jeff Bridges in Francis Ford Coppola's Tucker, The Man in His Dream in 1988. Uh, he also played, also got an Oscar nod for his role as Judah um, Rosenthal in uh, Woody Allen's uh, bitter co- uh, drama, Crimes and Misdemeanors. And let's see, he also starred with uh, legendary actor Christopher Plummer in a 2015 indie Holocaust drama, Remember, with director Adam Egoyan uh, and The Red Maple, Maple Leaf with Chris, Chris Officer and James Caan. Um, for those of you, though, in the sci-fi realms, particularly 70s obscure sci-fi, you would probably rec- remember him from Space 1999, which ran for, mm. I believe, four or five seasons on that show. Um, and uh, great, great show. Um, but yeah, so uh, that was another one that was lost to us this week. Um, this weekend so R.I.P. both those guys yeah Uh, so on that let's turn it into something a little lighter shall we shall we shall we we shall we shall we shall that's right we shall (laughs) shall for now to our one awesome thing now if you guys have watched Spider-Man Homecoming you definitely know those PSAs throughout the the movie are probably one of the most hilarious things. Seeing Captain America doing those really, really chintzy PSAs that you see them showing on the little school uh, television. Well, the couple that that were shown in the movie 
were only a few of what they actually filmed. Uh, according to um, John Watts, the director of Spider-Man Homecoming, we put, to get, we put it together like um, it was an actual DVD that they would show at the school. So it was just, it's just clicking from one to another to another. <laughs> Uh, the way they wrote and shot the scenes is that Watts had Evans uh, uh, for a set amount of time. So Watts just wrote up a bunch of PSAs to have Chris Evans read off a teleprompter. I just wrote pages for him because I want I had Chris Evans for however amount of time. So I just fed him. I think uh, I think we had a teleprompter actually. So he was just it's like Captain America just showing up and had to do this stuff for the government. He's just reading it off a scroll thing being like. Are you sure you really want me to say this? Um, and it's hilarious because, spoiler, if you guys haven't seen the film, the the uh, very end of the movie, the post credit scene just uh, has him saying something like, how many more of these do I have to do? <laughs> <laughs> so apparently in the DVD that's going to be coming out later this year, there's going to be at least 10 of them. And there's there's going to be uh, a uh, play all feature that's going to allow you to watch all of his PSAs, which I think will be definitely fun. I like to see kind of all the extra stuff he did for that, because to be honest, those things are pretty damn funny and super cheesy, as they should be, because you know those PSAs are always done. Oh yeah, very very poorly. So I'm actually I'm looking forward to seeing those because I saw just the glimpse from the trailer because I haven't seen Spider Man yet, and and just that glimpse I was laughing like it was. Of course, in that universe, they would have Captain America do PSA. Oh, of course. Of course. course. And even in the first Captain America movie, he was doing the war bonds. Right, exactly. You know, know, because he's the pinnacle of the good guy and stuff like that. Exactly. And and then you have, um, and then you have the the comedian there going, yeah, they got, they, they make me show this. I'm pretty sure he's a war criminal now. (laughs) (laughs) Because remember, this is post-Civil War, so. Right. (laughs) So I like that little touch there. Uh, Um. So my one awesome thing, it, real quick, uh, it, it's real quick because I can't show you over a <laughs> uh, audio medium. Um, but if you haven't seen them, definitely go to the lazygeeks.com and check up Steve's write-up. Check out Steve's write-up on these new Star Wars The Last Jedi posters. Oh, right? man. Oh, my goodness. A lot of so crimson six, in there. A lot of crimson. Right? There's six, six of them total. It's all, you know, the main characters in the movie. You have uh, Ren and, of course, uh, Princess uh, Princess Leia, which was interesting that they put that there, but I'm not upset. Um, <laughs> Luke. Uh, Luke, all of them. And they're all, it's a it's a kind of a dirty white background, and um, they all have this crimson red on, and that's all they're wearing, their, their outfit. Well, not all. Um, it's not to be suggestive that that's all they're wearing. Well, you know what I mean. Like, they're, they're <laughs> outfit, they ha- they're fully clothed. It's not like me just wearing crimson, you know. But then they're cool too. Like, um, they, like uh, Luke has a cloak on, but it's crimson red, and it's all the same exact red. This is the shit where I want to get all six of them. Oh yeah, frame them and throw them on the wall. Like it would look so fucking dope. Oh yeah, I'm thinking about doing no joke because posters are like what five bucks. Oh yeah, yeah, you can get them pretty you know, cheap. I'll buy all six of these bitches and put them up on the wall. Take a picture for the site. Pop pop. <laughs> check that shit out yeah because it's it's, but, um, it's like those that you can just kind of hang in a row you know right there and just like oh but it looks cool like i i saw like i saw that and i was like wow that's a lot of red i'm like that's actually fucking dope i love that yeah and i love the color red too 
So it's it's um it's my second favorite color. You can see red. Yes. Okay. Well, no, because you said at one point you were kind of colorblind, so I was like, well, to shades. Oh. So like certain like blues, if like if uh, I didn't mean it to sound like a dick, like you can see. Color- I'm like fuck you. <laughs> no. Um, like <laughs> like sometimes pink looks red to me. Like I don't mm. I don't. They'll be like, oh, this is pink, and I'm like, okay, and it just looks red. Like I don't. It has to be a distinct difference if it's just like a shade or whatever i won't get it oh okay i the the worst thing i have is uh black blue and purple hmm. i mix those three up all the time well that makes sense but i'm not fully colorblind i could i could see all the colors of the rainbow <laughs> you know so uh all right so i guess on that note we can uh, go ahead and jump into the headlines now that 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 Gave it some extra. There you go. Some extra oomph in this one. That's right. All right. For the past several months, rumors have been a flurry about who will become the 13th Doctor in the long-running series Doctor Who. The internet has been beset by rumors from Tom Hiddleston to Haley Atwell would be playing the title character. For a short time, there were rumors that Idris Elba would be taking on the role, uh, causing heads of white racists to explode. Can you imagine Idris Elba being the doctor? That would be the most intimidating fucking doctor around, dude. I know. That would change the entire theme of the show. <laughs> like, if the doctor told you no, you'd just sit down and go, okay. Like, you'd be afraid that he's going to, like, oh, rip into okay. you. <laughs> okay. Whatever you say, buddy. <laughs> you, can we go across the Rainbow Bridge now? <laughs> right. Um, while introducing a female master during Stephen Moffat's tenure, it seems misogynists will have something new to complain about with the announcement of the new Doctor coming this Christmas. As uh, we have the video of the announcement on the website, thelazygeese.com, uh, Jody Whitaker will take on the mantle of the 13th Doctor after Peter Capaldi regenerates in the upcoming Christmas episode. While many people in the States would not recognize her, she is quite known for her roles in Attack the Block, Black Mirror, and most notably, Broadchurch. Ironically enough, Chris Shipnell is taking over as showrunner in the new season. He's also the creator and showrunner of Broadchurch which must have helped landing her the job. Of course, this announcement should not be considered, uh, in this announcement, should not be considered her apparel for the series, but this announcement is a lot smaller tone than the announcement of Capaldi some four years ago. While many people uh, blame diversification for the need of a female doctor, the truth remains that men have had control of this character for over 50 years. And after the success of Wonder Woman, I think it's high time females had another badass character to look up to. Although those female versions of them male doctors do have me questioning some sort of way. <clears throat> You've seen those girls that, uh, you know, feminize their doctors a little bit. And then you know, you're kind of like, okay, I-, I can see it. <laughs> I have a confused boner. Right <laughs> exactly. <now. laughs> no, um. <laughs> it was sorry, oddly was quiet saying- there. Taking a drink. I was taking a sip of my drink. I apologize. Um, I thought you. Were, I thought you were taking care of something. <laughs> like <laughs> I was looking up them pick. No. Um, no, I think it's cool. I think. I think it's going to change. Um, I think it's going to change it in the beginning, and then you're going to get used to it. And you're not really going to care, right? At least that's me. Like I, I don't. I don't care the gender of the doctor. I just want. I just want it really good. Cool. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That, that's all I give shit about. Yeah. You know. So. Um, we all, and, and we've had this discussion before, we all have our favorite doctor and it's usually the first one you ever saw and, and that's it. Like there's, yeah. 
everyone after that, we just appreciate them for who they are and, and enjoy the show. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mine's I- Matt Smith. <laughs> I go with the teeny girls on my, my choice. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is that my first doctor was Christopher Eccleston, but Tenet is actually my doctor. Mm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, yeah, we've had, you know, the men have had the role for, you know, 12 doctors at this point. And, and I'm actually really kind of, you know, and after Missy as, um, you know, as, as the master, I thought she was written amazing and I loved her. And so I'm just, I'm like, I'm very curious to see, see how it goes with the female doctor. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, you can almost, you can almost say that where they did Missy, they were almost field testing it. Yeah. Like seeing how people would react to it with an important character, but also not as important as the doctor. And, and everyone loved it. Like, oh, I don't, I don't remember anybody saying it was bullshit. Yeah. And you know, Missy, so. Missy was such a great add on. You were like, you know, like when we first, when we first saw her teasing introductions, you know, where she would pop up in the end of yeah. each episode, you're like, going, who is she? She's pretty fucking awesome. And you're like, I wonder if she's the master. And then when she's the master, you're like, Oh, she's great. You know, she's oddly hot for an older woman too. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Oh, by the way, you, um, you, you saw coupling, right? You remember coupling, right? Uh, I don't remember oh. it. Oh, because I was gonna say she's actually um, married to the the main actor on there, uh, Steve, who's ended up in the Pirates movies. Oh, right on. Yeah. So, but yeah, she's yeah yeah she's she's oddly hot, in a very kind of like she could do so many things to me, oh. <laughs> that sort of way. Hmm. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, let me go ahead I, and calm down right now. I think it's also going to lead to a lot of uh, a lot of good um, story arcs too. Like especially like are they are when we get a new um, a new uh, companion? Is it going to be a man? You know what I mean? Right. Like just something interesting like that. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see, won't we? Mm-hmm. Um, next up <laughs> on the entertainment uh, news. Director Matt Reeves has revealed he's not working with the previous script for the Batman, opting instead for a new story. Reeves explains the shift on MTV's Happy, Sad, Confused podcast, uh, and this is via Batman News. Um, when asked if he was going to be using the script originally put together by Ben Affleck and DC's Jeff Johns, Reeves replied, no, it's a new story. It's just starting again. I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be really cool. This is kind of fucking sad news for me, because I was interested in seeing what Jeff Johns and fucking Ben Affleck were going to pull out. Well, from but, what what I heard early on is that he wanted to kind of take it and focus on the detective aspect of Batman. Well, I'm not I'm not upset about that because they said that he wanted to kind of do it a little more noir and focus on the on the detective side of Batman as opposed to just a you know big burly you know kick-ass kind of character which we do miss in the com- from the comics because you know most of the time yeah. everybody always says oh well if you can be batman be batman but that you forget that batman is fucking smart and also yeah you know can you know and why he would be friends with barry allen and like you know there's a reason there's a reason why when the justice league has a meeting the technically weakest person in the room is the one doing all the talking yeah because he's also the smartest one in the room. Yeah. Like he's the one figuring everything out. He's a few steps ahead. So Reeves went on to qualify that despite signing on to helm the Batman after Ben Affleck stepped down from directing duties, he's been otherwise focused purely on his work on War of the Planet of the Apes, and there's nothing further to report on the, on the Batman at this stage. 
Truly, I have not been doing anything but working on Planet of the Apes, said Reeves. We are just starting on the Batman, so there's really nothing to say about anything else. Um, I should just read the quote. Not the sum- summary of the quote that is the quote. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think um, so. <laughs> Reeves was confirmed as the director for the Batman back in February. A full script rewrite was tipped as probable shortly after Affleck stepped down. Um, the original script for the Batman was written by Ben Affleck and DC Comics President and Chief Creative Officer Jeff Johns. It was subsequently rewritten by Justice League writer Chris Terrio. Terrio uh, previously won an Oscar for his Argo script and co-wrote Batman vs. Superman Donna Justice with David S. Goyer. Um, so yeah, um, I'm excited for the detective thing, but then they had some heavy hitters on that previous script. So I'm kind of nervous, too. Like, what what are we going to miss out on? I hope that script gets leaked, too, so I can read that shit, you know? <laughs> well, um, I mean, Matt Reeves has done a great job with the uh, the Planet of the Apes saga. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm, and, I, he's the shit. Yeah, like, and, I, I got nothing to say so about I'm, him. So I'm, I'm not necessarily – I am kind of, like, curious to see what that would have been, you know, what Jeff Johns and what Affleck would have done. But, you know, knowing that, like, in uh, from what I've been reading that – I have, I'm going to be seeing a, a War for Planet of the Apes uh, tomorrow, uh, but knowing that there's not a lot of dialogue in in that movie, there's a lot of sign language, and you know there, you know the it's not what you normally would expect from a huge um, right. blockbuster like that. But the other movies have kind of been more of the same, and I think if he's going to focus more on the on the detective, like if we get a detective comics version of of Batman, I would love to see that. We have never seen that. And I think if you're going to take on something like that, you're going to go, well, let's do something that we haven't seen yet. That Batman, that's in Batman's wheelhouse, you know? So yeah, I I agree with that. Yeah. So moving on into gaming news, ever since the launch of the PlayStation three, we've been hearing rumblings about a new installment in the kingdom hearts franchise up until the release of the PlayStation four. We heard that a kingdom hearts three will be coming. During this year's E3, we finally got an official trailer for the game. Again, a lot of holes and no official release date. Due to the fact that Square Enix is using Disney characters, Kingdom Hearts 3 was presented at this year's D23. For those of you not in the know, that's Disney's own um, convention. Uh, Polygon reports that director Tatsuma Nomura was on hand to discuss the new content in the game, in which he revealed that part of the story will take place in Pixar's Toy Story. Pixar's John Lasseter was on hand to discuss the inclusion. The trailer shows Sora taking on various Heartless in a new action-driven trailer. Then the story shifts to Sora, Donald, and Goofy arriving in the world of Toy Story. Buzz Lightyear and Woody help explain, help, helped, quote, explain the Heartless problem plaguing Andy's bedroom. Joined by other toys like Ham the Piggy Bank and Russ the Dinosaur, they later venture just outside the home to take on toy-sized Heartless and and even visit a toy store where Sora got to jump into a mech action figure for a different kind of combat. Other announcements during the panel was the inclusion of worlds inspired by Big Hero 6 and Tangled. It's still unknown if any other Pixar or other new Disney properties will enter into the game, given that Disney gave the creator total control to add whatever properties he would like. Oh yeah, and one other thing. Kingdom Hearts 3 will be released in 2018. <laughs> we finally got a fucking release date. That's if they don't fucking move it, dude. But that's like, the thing is is that, you know, a lot of lot of them are saying, you know, now we're doing just like 
first like if you notice that at a place on um, playstation did a lot of that in um, e3 of fall or quarter one of e3 they said in, of 2018 they said instead of getting an actual date because sometimes it gets pushed back one or two weeks or something like that they go we'll right. give it a window so at least you know you know it's going to be out in some time at that point instead of saying oh yeah it's going to be released in april like what happened with batman um that batman game oh yeah in april oh wait we're moving it to june oh wait we're moving it to july you know and but at least now we have a fucking we know at least in 2018 it's coming out i'm happy with that because we never even had that before i don't know i've been i've been burned so many times by this game i'm not even excited mm. like i'm just like i mean i'm excited but then i'm forced not to be you know what i mean like i'm just like <laughs> it's a cautious know, optimism <laughs> i heard there's gonna be a toy story world though i was reading about that the other um the other day mm-hmm that they were making a, a world that was Toy Story. I'm like, that might be fucking dope. For- It'd be cool if you're you're fucking walking, <laughs> and then and then you have to go. Oh, and he's here, and you get a drop. Oh yeah, they do that. Like, I'm telling they you, do dude. that in um, California Adventure out here. That the Toy oh, Story characters would come out, and then if, if somebody says Andy's coming, and then they kind of drop and like stand still or do you know do whatever. That was a thing on. Uh, instagram for a while or people were making these videos where they would do that mm-hmm. they go andy's coming and then they drop and my fucking youngest son was doing it constantly <laughs> like he'd be walking through the living room and then he'd just go if you went andy's coming he just drop <laughs> he did it so well and one time he did it and he hit his fucking head i was like damn that's dedication to the craft bro <laughs> respect i wonder if he'd still do it i want to try it yeah. tomorrow just go and he's coming and see what he does you see him turn around and go i don't give a fuck <laughs> but see now then he after he hurt himself you would go and he's coming and he he'd quickly look around to where the best area to fall was i'd fall on the couch he, that's right all right so nintendo has ended production on the smaller new 3ds model in japan while the company is no longer producing the faceplate-equipped version, Nintendo's official Japanese website indicates the new Nintendo 3DS XL, or LL in Japan, uh, model is still being made. As such, new 3DS XL, 2DS, and 2DS XL slash LL are the models currently being produced by Nintendo. New Nintendo 3DS launched in Japan in October 2014, while this smaller version wasn't originally available in North America. It eventually made its way to the to the region as various special themed models, including a Pokemon Red and Blue bundle, and those were fucking dope too. <laughs> um, Nintendo 2DS XL, which features a clamshell design, built-in amiibo support, and a C stick, uh, launches t- today in Japan. Oh, hold on, launched on the 13th in Japan, um, and will release on July 28th in North America and Europe. Device launched last month in Australia and New Zealand, which is weird to me. Like they gave it to Australia and New Zealand before Japan. That's, that's weird. Yeah. Um, so this kind of writing's on the wall for that. Um, I'm I'm noticing a trend with um, with the Nintendo handhelds that everyone pretty much wants the bigger one. They don't they don't want the smaller one. Mm. Um, so it looks like they're kind of phasing those out. Uh, so the only three models. So I have the 2DS, which is the the one that doesn't fold, um, and then they have the 3DS XL and the 2DS XL. The only difference. Let me let me put this on the table. The only difference between the 3DS XL and the 2DS XL is 3D. Hmm. That's it. You're saving a little bit of. That's why the 2DS XL is kind of not 
that much cheaper than the 3ds right you save like about 50 bucks because the 3d function is out of there i want this 2ds xl no joke (laughs) because i like the 2ds it's a dope little machine um but the problem is the screen is just a little too small for me um for my sons and stuff like that they they're fine with it so i think i'm just gonna pass it to them and get this 2ds xl bit uh but yeah if you wanted that small one, fuck that. You have to. You have to get an older one. You lose. You lose, punk. Dead or alive, you're not getting it. <laughs> I love quoting that fucking movie. Every time I'll do that at work sometimes, and no one gets the reference, right? Because everyone's fucking lame nowadays. And someone will do something, and I, that I ask them to do, and I'll. Thank you for your cooperation. <laughs> and they'll be like, no, no problem. <laughs> so you're like, you fucking suck, people. <laughs> yeah. There'll be that one dude that will fucking like, ah. And I'll be like, yeah, that's my dog. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I was I was listening to a, a podcast, um, uh, Junk Food Cinema. And they've been doing the summer of 87. So, um, and then they were doing, this week they did uh, Masters of the Universe. And the one guy on there, uh, C. Robert Cargill, he co-wrote Doctor Strange. And he goes, he goes, 12-year-old me had a great summer with that movie. Because that movie, he goes, and the previous one we discussed, he goes, has a special place in my heart. He goes, "Um, my parents said, we're going to go to the drive-in. Wouldn't tell me what what we're going to watch. So I thought, oh, great. We're going to watch some kind of adult movie I could give two shits about. He goes, we get over there. He goes... And we get in there. He goes, and I saw the sign for where we're getting in there. He goes, double feature, Master of the Universe, mm. RoboCop. Yes. I was like, and the other guy goes, that's, he. Um, you hear the microphone kind of hit. He goes, sorry, that was the sound of my erection hitting the microphone. He goes, yes. that is like the best double feature. I'm like, oh, that would be an awesome double feature. Like as a kid, see fucking Master of the Universe and then RoboCop. Like, fuck yeah, dude, that would just be fuck too yeah. awesome. <laughs> dude, I love every Robocop movie, even the one with the jetpack. <laughs> All of them I love. Uh, I like that scene at the end of that where he's flying with the jetpack. Everyone's like, it's so cheesy. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, fly away. Fuck. <laughs> go, Robocop, go. Robocop. <laughs> oh, man. Lose my fucking mind on Robocop, dude. <laughs> Oh man! Imagine on the che- uh, on the cheap seats when we get to uh, when we get to eighty seven, we can do RoboCop. Oh yeah! <laughs> it will be like it'll be it just be just it would just be an hour of us quoting lines from that movie. Look at my face, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> you have the right to remain silent. You just have to say everything like RoboCop says it. <laughs> you have suffered a traumatic experience, <laughs> right? <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Moving on into comic news. Oh. It's been five years since Brian Michael Bendis and Sarah Pacelli's conclusion to their first Spider-Man miniseries that put forth the idea that Miles Morales had a counterpart in the more familiar and mainstream Earth-616. And judging by Peter's reaction after a mundane internet search, this, um, there was a story this other Miles Morales uh, now has begun to be told in Spider-Man 2, issue number one by the same creative team. So, of course, by the end of issue one, there is another Miles Morales 
but he seems older, scarred. And we don't know why, but what we do know is coming up in issue two, you're gonna figure out what the two Spider-Men, Peter and the younger Miles, are going to have to interact with this other Miles and the Taskmaster. Issue number two is expected to drop on August 16th. Yeah. This will be interesting because, you know, Peter in the other universe, you know, Peter was younger, died young, and so was Miles. So in this universe, you know, obviously Miles is going to be older. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, what happened to this one. Because in issue number one, they just showed a, uh, you know, um, how does it, how do they list it in here? They go, um, they go when uh, they go when an eerily familiar purplish glow appears over the skies of New York. Both super, both spider dudes swing into the scene, only to encounter an unexpected foe emerging from the transportal Taskmaster, albeit sporter an alternate look from what we've seen in the current in the other currently in the other titles. But it's still obviously villainous with intent to kill both Spider-Man. This pre-ultimate page gives way to a far quieter epilogue in a posh neighborhood of Bloomsfield Hills, where Taskmaster's appearance is rely, relayed to none other than, than a Mr. Morales, a decided old version of Miles, and one shown to have a badly scarred face for reasons yet unknown. And at that, they go, that the Taskmaster situation, and he says, already? And the woman that he's talking to goes, I'm sorry, Mr. Morales, you told me to tell you, as I promised myself so many years ago, but damn it, looks like I'm heading back to New York. So... We'll have to see what happens in this particular instance. I'm actually kind of behind on this, and I haven't even read the first issue of this. But uh, sounds interesting because I, I did want to I did want to check it out because I was always curious to see what happened to Miles in the main DC universe in the main DC the main Marvel universe. So uh, it'd be curious to see, you know, what happened now that they have a young and older Miles Morales fl- running around New York City. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Sometimes that Spider-Man shit can get fucking confusing, though. Oh, yeah. You have to know what they... Like, if, if you just picked up that book, you haven't read Spider-Man in years, you're like, what the fuck is going on? I thought he was a photographer. Like, now he's like Tony Stark. <laughs> Where's Mary Jane's fine ass at? <laughs> <laughs> so, my, my comic news story, this is something we talked about a few, uh, few podcasts back, but we got uh, not only some more information... But also some artwork um, that you can check out. This this article comes from Newsarama. Check out our show notes on our website, thelazygeeks.com. You can get that link and you can check out those pictures. That's right. So, R.L. Stein's Goosebumps uh, celebrates his 25th year in 2017. And to mock the occasion, IDW Publishing is launching a new comic book title based on the venerable youth-orientated horror series. The series will feature rotating creative teams telling individual stories, which I'm actually kind of excited about, in the style of an ongoing anthology. The first arc is entitled Goosebumps, Monsters at Midnight, written by Jeremy Lambert with art from Chris Benigoli. Benigolio. Um, Quote? Benigolio. My first... Huh? Benigolio. Benigolio. Um, it's my first read... <laughs> Racist. Uh, but accurate. My first reading... <laughs> My first reading thrill when I was a kid uh, were the EC Horror Comics Tales from the Crypt and the Vault of Horror. Damn, that's pulling it back. They introduced me to the excitement of reading. Stein said in a 
statement via the Hollywood Reporter. Now, all those, all these years later, I have another thrill, seeing my stories and characters come to life in a comic book series of their own, thanks to my new friends at IDW. Um, Stein's lifelong love of comics led him to write a Man-Thing series for Marvel Comics earlier this year, uh, which I forgot to read. Stein also alluded to the possibility of a Goosebumps comic book in a conversation with Newsarama about Man-Thing, which took place back in March. Goosebumps has previously received a short-lived comic book adaptation in three Goosebumps graphics novels from publisher Scholastic. Uh, more information regarding IDW's Goosebump is expected during Comic-Con International San Diego, which takes place, as you already know, at the San Diego Convention Center from July 20th to the 23rd. Um, Goosebumps number one will hit shelves on October 25th, just in time for Halloween. And the, um, the, the images, I mean, if you're too lazy to go look them up, <laughs> um, they're drawn kind of like a cartoon is drawn. You know, it's that style. Right. It's not hyper-realistic. Um, but it, it works well. I mean, there's definitely these are supposed to be all ages comic books. They're not. <laughs> they're not supposed to fucking have gore. In them, but uh, they do have that fucking ventriloquist dummy um, drawn in here. So I'm gonna assume he's in the first issue. Um, and I he terrified me when I was a kid. These are some the Goosebumps books were some of the first books I read a lot of when I was young. I think I was like seven. Oh, right. And I started reading Goosebump books and, and uh, from the library and stuff like that. They're, they're just re- they're really easy reads for kids. I, I try to get my kids on them, but they don't want to read anything scary. <laughs> you know, I'm like, whatever. Tell them to stop. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say. Tell them to man up. <laughs> That's right. Especially the girl. <laughs> yeah. It'll put hair in your chest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. Moving on into tech news sprint has always felt like the little wireless company that could but doesn't in hopes of trying to update its options to entice people to join their wireless service sprint is now offering people the ability to upgrade their phone every year previously their deal was only good if you had an iphone or samsung galaxy phone the catch is simple pay five bucks extra a month which is on top of the regular leasing cost of one of one year versus the 18 months and at and the end of the year you can upgrade your device however if you currently have an iphone or galaxy device you're not required to pay the, that additional fee the only catch is it is not as it may not be as simply or as simple sprint is leasing you the phone all other major carriers are offering pay towards new device options. Sprint is leasing you a device, which means it will not be brand new, or it may not be even brand new. Keep in mind that it is only additional six months to upgrade your device. I did not need an upgrade for my Galaxy 7 II, the S8, but I had an upgrade available after the year, so I figured why not use it? Although the idea of leasing a phone seems a bit gross, and I've seen what people do with their phones and I would hate to lease someone else's device. Sprint has been trying to make them relevant as of late. Most recently, they offered new customers a whole year of free, uh, a whole year free of unlimited data service. Obviously, there are some strings attached. Sprint is trying hard to regain that third place status, which is which it has recently lost to T-Mobile. For the longest time, Sprint didn't care about its customers, as I was one for a while, or its quality. Now it has to play catch-up, which isn't as easy as it used to be. 
I mean, and they're fake 4G, you know. <laughs> Listen, all I know about Sprint is I hear at least once a week, and, and, and I'm sure anyone in office setting knows this conversation, well, someone will be complaining their phone nowhere, and then everyone starts going, what, what carrier do you have? Who do you got for your phone? And everyone starts calling it out. And all the Verizon people work just fine. Right. No problems in the room. AT&T as well for, for where I live. AT&T is very strong here. Um, and the Sprint people, they don't work at all. Right. T-Mobile sometimes. Right. Um, so the, the, the real, from real, my real world analysis of just paying attention to people, Sprint is shit. <laughs> and I had Sprint in LA and it was, it was better than it seems to be here in uh, Phoenix. I got to remember I'm talking to people who might not know where I am. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. And in LA, LA, in LA, it worked decent, but like sometimes it wouldn't. Like yeah. if I was on the bus, sometimes it randomly wouldn't work. Comic Con, um, and then it also Comic Con, <laughs> it didn't work at all. I was so pissed, and I had that cool keyboard phone. Remember? Yeah. And I was like, I'm ready to do this shit. And I'm like, oh <laughs> motherfucker! I was so mad. And I'm sitting next to um, him, looking at him, smiling as I'm. I'm um, uploading to Facebook or Twitter or anything like that. <laughs> getting that, yeah, getting that steady shit. motherfucker look from Adam. <laughs> I couldn't do shit. I was so mad. Now, now I stay on Verizon with the unlimited plan. I ain't fucking up today. You go catch me slipping. I wish we were going to Comic Con this year. I'd be like, snap, snap, Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, blah, 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 everywhere. Like, dude, um, that's just a bathroom door. I don't care. I don't give a fuck. I'm making up for lost time. Um, but yeah, like Verizon people at my job, they're watching videos on the sneak, you mm-hmm. know, under the monitor and shit. Everything works crispy clean. Fucking Sprint don't work for shit. Nope. I, I honestly, the only reason people get Sprint is because they're cheap. Yeah. But sometimes you get what you pay for. You know, so. Yeah. Why waste time on bullshit when you can get that real shit? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. um, A few days ago, the 12th, of this month, to be specific. Um, activists advocating for a free and open internet rallied individuals to submit over 2 million comments, millions of emails and phone calls to the FCC in support of net neutrality. Uh, popular sites across the web from Yelp to Pornhub and Engadget, because this, this article's from Engadget. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to throw it in there. Um, urged users to contact the federal agency and Congress with a singular message. Don't let internet service providers create faster and slower connections to boost their profit margins. Internet ad, internet ad, advocacy, <laughs> Jesus, uh, non. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> it's not even right. Internet advocate nonprofit fight for the future uh, tallied the participation numbers, which was still climbing. Five million emails and one hundred twenty-four thousand calls to Congress, while protesters actually visited uh, twenty congressional offices. The 2 million comments made to the FCC almost tripled the previous record made during the Internet Slowdown Advocacy. I fucking hate that word, day (laughs) um, On September 10th, 2014. Even if they didn't take action, tens of millions of users saw the messages plastered across the web. Big sites and services like Reddit, Twitter, Netflix, Spotify, Airbnb, and Amazon... All either urged advocacy. advocacy I advocacy? really, fu- I've never been able to say that word. It's you know how we all have a few words right. that we just can't say. That's one of them. <laughs> um, or pointed users to sites like BattleForTheNet.com, 
which supplied pre-made form letters to, fi to fire off to the FCC and routed users to their congressional representative's phone number. The stock message to the agency echoed by statements from Google, Facebook, Dropbox, YouTube, and internet advocates. I could say advocates. <laughs> advocates. Um, is simple. <laughs> is simple. Don't do anything. <laughs> During the, so that's the message they want the government. Don't just don't touch it. You know. <laughs> right. During the Obama administration, the FCC officially classified the internet as a utility, meaning ISPs in theory can't limit user speed or access to sites. Shortly after he was appointed shortly after he was appointed by Trump, FCC chairman um, Ajit Paya, PAI, the Paya or Paya, whatever. Yeah. Started started vocalizing his disdain for net neutrality, oh, calling his agency's previous support of it a mistake. Uh, whether yesterday's activism changed his mind is a question for tomorrow. So basically, when, when I, I read this article um, on a lunch break at work, <laughs> I've been doing that now. Like anytime I have a break, I'm on the news as I'm looking for shit for the show instead of waiting until Saturday right. and then reading a week's worth of news. <laughs> um, so what this is telling me is that and what it should tell Congress is that the majority of people on in this country do not want net neutrality or the other way around, whichever whichever one's the bad one. I always mix up the uh, against the net two. neutrality. There you go. So let's not do it, right? I would say um, you can add the lazy geeks to the uh, <laughs> to the <laughs> list. So it should go. It should go. YouTube, Facebook. Dropbox, lazy geeks, you know, <laughs> we're in there. You know, there's, it's funny because uh, I went on, because, uh, you know, we, as a, as we revamped the site like a year ago or something like that, we, we dropped all of our old news, our old news um, stories from that. However, we do have a backup of a lot of those on the lazygeeks.wordpress.com, which is still up. And I actually found an old... Um, article that we posted i'm thinking of reposting it was us the first time talking about net neutrality and it was my view and your view and this was a couple of years ago because remember when they did that internet blackout you know for like a day in protest right. um for net neutrality i was like going, you know what it's scary but it's the same like it's the same argument again that we're going through this whole thing all over again and it's like, I'm like, you know. Well, we got new people in office. Yeah, and people who you know. work for those companies, you know. And I'm like, you know, maybe I'll pull that again and then just reshare it and just say like, hey, you know what? You know, sometimes when I play those rewinds, we're still talking about the same shit that we talked about, you know, seven years ago. Here we are. <laughs> we're talking about the right. same shit that was like four or five years ago. So I'm thinking of doing, I'm thinking of posting that again. And I, I and there's been plenty. I don't trust any company that can benefit from it. Go, oh no, we don't want this. Sure you don't. Well, it's like AT and T who's like going, oh, we're for we're you know we're you know with for net neutrality. You know, forget the fact that you know a year ago we were suing to not follow it. Right. The best thing big companies can do is shut the fuck up. Either there's two things they can either say yes net neutrality or don't speak. Right. Just do what Gwen Stefani said. Don't speak. Don't speak. I know just what you're See. saying. I'm telling you, I miss I miss Gwen Stefani. Where is she? Yeah, 
where's Gwen Stefani when you need her, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it sucks because it's like, uh, even John Oliver, you know, had his thing about net neutrality. He's like, we spoke about it before, you know? And it's just like, we're, you know, we're still, we're still talking about it again, you know? Yep. But, ugh. Anyway, so I guess on that note, we're, I guess, done with the headlines? Yep. Uh, so, as we... I just feel sexy after I hear that. You know? I know, right? Excuse me if, if my mic gets hit by my the size of my erection right now. Oh, <laughs> So... Um, we're doing something a little different. You okay over there? <laughs> is that you? Was that yours? My erection. Your erection. <laughs> yeah, my erection. Uh, we're we're trying to do something a little different with our discussion our discussion topics. We're, you know, we're going to you know look at stuff that you know yeah may have come up some, but we want to actually take a little more time and do a little more research on some of the stuff that that we talk about and why they're a discussion why we should be talking about it and. For the first one out the gate kind of made sense because starting this Thursday, San Diego Comic-Con. Um, so one of the questions that I kind of wanted to pose to you, Adam, was do you think San the San Diego Comic-Con has lost its flair? Um, I think, okay, so I, I think it's still a cool thing to go to. Like, I don't want to take away from that. Like, it's boring in some way. Like, it's, it's not... Um, it's not fun or something like that. Because of course it is. You know, right. there's tons of shit to see. There's people in costumes, celebrities, all that stuff like that. But I think where it's lost its luster a little bit is that it's moving more into a promotion tool mm-hmm. than an actual celebration of the culture. Yeah. And we saw that. We went in, what, it was 2011 we went. Right. And, um, and... I, I remember before we went, I read a lot of stuff about Comic-Con and, and things like this. And, and I, had, I had seen a few pictures of when uh, my uncle had gone um, years before, like sometime in the 90s. Um, well, he goes every year, but sometime in the 90s. And um, the, the size of the comic book, actual comic book section, keeps getting smaller yeah. gradually because we have companies like Marvel and DC comic book companies, but they're promoting those movies. Yeah. We got we have the TV shows coming in and stuff like that, and the the overall theme is still there, but the medium in which they're they're promoting is changing. And and I think there's two things with that. One, it kind of sucks, you know, for comic book fans. You're like, oh, you know, I you know, and I I remember when we went. I'm like, I want to go to the fucking comic book section. I want to check out that shit. Um, but it's also kind of telling of the times. I mean, comic book sales are down. Yeah. Um, I forget the exact numbers. It's something like forty percent or something like that o- over their high points. Um, and these comic book companies are making most of their money now from the movies and from the television shows. I mean, look at DC with their yes, they're just starting to get get some really good traction with the movies. Wonder Woman recently, but with the television shows, right. they're knocking it out of the pack. Ma- Marvel, of course, fucking there's a new movie every week. You know, <laughs> right. it's 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 um so. Things always go where the money goes, so I understand it from a business sense, but from a nostalgic sense, from from a comic book fan sense, it's kind of sad yeah. to see the comic book sections kind of in the back, in the corner, yeah. you know, 
Yeah. As soon as you walk into the fucking joint, you don't you're not slapped in the face with comic books. You're you're slapped in the face with video games, movies, and television. Yeah, Those it, are the it, three that yeah, are big. It's completely sensory overload. Going into going into the San Diego Comic Con, you know, you're you're slapped in the face, you know, with you know, by many things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it really is truly sensory overload when you go in there. I mean, I remember the first time going in there because Adam and I went in 2011 and I went in 2010 with just me and an ex, um, an ex-girlfriend of mine. Uh, uh, if you listen to some of the older podcasts, uh, Dixie Chick, um, and uh, we went and, you know, it was her first time going. It was my first time going. You know, we spent all this time trying to read, okay, this is, you know, where are we? We, the maps and all that stuff. And then just being down there and then like descending onto, you know, the convention center. And then once you step through those doors, it was like, oh my God, where am I? <laughs> you know, right. and it's just, and, and it's not, it, it is, I mean, again, don't get, don't get me wrong. It is like, you kind of want to drop to your knees and like, go, and you hear that, oh, kind of kind of thing because you, you're basically at the, the the bastion of everything that is is geek related but at the same time it's hasbro activision uh right. dc entertainment you know marvel entertainment you know it, it's it's all of it's all a press junket you know promotions of all the movies coming out that year or what have you going to there you'll see um uh, hotels and businesses covered with giant with building like building um height posters for movies you know first time i went there there was scott pilgrim uh that movie was coming out and they had the i think it was the hilton bayfront had a whole poster going down the side of the building that was for that and you know and and you know, you go there and you go to all these panels with all these stars and everybody's trying to get in there because they want to see these people. And very little of it actually comes back to the comic books, you know, to, to those. And I, and I mean, commercialism, commercializing Comic-Con has pros and cons, of course. Of course. I mean, it's not all bad. It's these evil company. These evil companies are the creators of the things that you want to read and watch. Right. So it's not like they're they're really that bad. And And you know who isn't complaining? I'm going to slide into my fucking notes real quick. Um, San, the city of San Diego. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. I mean, they just, they actually just, uh, and this was an article that um, Steve had found. Uh, they just got at a deal where Comic-Con will stay in San Diego through 2021. Um, now, they're not saying we're moving in 2021, but I mean, it's just guaranteed to be there till 2021. Um According to the San Diego Convention and Visitors Bureau, the convention has an annual regional economic impact of 162.8 million, with 180 million economic impact in 2011. So it's, it, the event makes so much money to expect it to say, fucking you know, grassroots and homegrown is is foolish. We we all know this was going to happen, yeah, um, and it's happened more so. In I would say the last decade, because with and we we have to thank Marvel for this with the comic book movies, yeah, being so prevalent. I mean, shit. The only movies that get good reviews anymore are the fucking comic book movies. <laughs> um, they're being so prevalent now that a lot of new fans are coming in yeah. through a different medium. And and yeah, you can sit there and go, oh fuck the movie only fans. Fuck that man. If you're a fan, you're a fan. You know what I mean? Right. So 
people are coming into the thing, they're checking out the comics, they're checking out the characters, the video games, the movies, the TVs, the toys, all that bullshit. Well, one of the big things. So, well, one of the big things about it is that the people that are going to it, because you have parents taking their kids. The problem is, is that the parents are us. You know, we yeah. grew up on this shit, so it's kind of like. Oh, now we we can afford to go. We can we can save up money and actually take the family down to go, and my kids will enjoy it. I'll enjoy it. We'll all have a good time. We'll dress up, whatever. So you have that you have that uh, that um, fiscal drive that they, we can do that, you know, and and go down there. I mean, um, you know, San Diego uh, pays plays host to one of the notes on here is, uh, San Diego plays host to 34 million visitors annually, according to figures from the city's tourism bureau, pulling more than 700 million in state and local tax revenue. Last year, San Diego's convention center saw about 553,000 individuals total, meaning that San Diego comic-con makes up more than a quarter of the year's traffic by itself. Right. And to, so the idea that, you know, when Comic-Con says, oh, well, you know, we may need a bigger venue, blah, blah, blah. San Diego is not going to let it go without a fight. No. Because you, you're talking like a, a quarter of your revenue would disappear. That would change the whole financial climate of everything there. Well, then also, too, and this is my last my last uh, comment on that question of if, if Comic-Con has lost its luster. Let's not forget, Comic-Con also... Um, bred other cons mm -hmm. you know like um wonder con right which which other con yeah wonder con which is in uh, anaheim right. uh and the alternate press expo uh, in san francisco now these two cons are much more to the roots if 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 you go there i know steve has attended uh wonder con yeah a couple um, years yeah much more small scale um well wonder con's getting kind of big but there, there's a con in every city yeah and that goes both ways <laughs> um <laughs> The, Does it? <laughs> so if San Diego, if you go to San Diego's Comic Con, and I suggest any fan of of this of this kind of medium goes at least once. Um, if you go and you're kind of like, oh, I don't like this, how it's just overly commercialized and, and stuff like that. Go to something else. Go yeah. go to WonderCon. You know, go. There's so many other ones that are more specific to what. There's ones for anime. There's ones just comic books. Ones just cartoons. I mean, should we just ha we just had Anime Expo. Here in, in LA, like anime a couple, years, Expo couple is weeks ago, fucking, fucking huge anime expo. Yeah. You know, so it's it's um, I I I understand the concern and the question when people say is is San Diego Comic Con becoming over commercialized stuff like that, but I feel that it's it's a little you know it's not doom and gloom. You know what I mean? It's San Diego Comic Con is the biggest one. That's the one that all the companies are going to go to to promote their things. It's just like the E three of fucking geekdom. Yeah, you know what I mean. So that's fine. If you that that's not your flavor, go to something else. Especially if you live in California, shut the fuck up because you got plenty <laughs> of shit to do. Actually, even here in Phoenix, Phoenix Comic Con, I keep planning on going, but shit keeps coming up. But I hear it's dope as fuck. Well, yeah, I mean you here know. here in LA, you know, um, I have. The uh, we have WonderCon out in Anaheim, which I've been through, been to, you know, a couple years in a row, uh, missed out last year and this year. Um, and the convention center pales in comparison as to, you know, the, 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 the San Diego Convention Center. But there's a lot of shit going on. Cool thing about that, though, is you have, I think, a good balance of comic and movie culture. Like the, you're gonna get a lot of the movies that are possibly coming up and stuff like that, but there is a good focus on film on um, comics. I mean, 
there is a good focus on comics. Um, la- I went to a panel that had fucking, you know, all of Marvel, uh, Sam Humphreys. You had Brew, um, Ed Brubaker, you know, uh, Jonathan, uh, uh, fuck, what's his name? Uh, oh, my God, I can't believe I can't remember his last name. But um, Jonathan Hickman, you know, had all these guys. You know, all of the authors that I, I Rick Remender, all of these guys that I, I love reading and they're all on a panel. And of course, Steve Humphreys right. comes dressed up as Prince. You know, when they introduce <laughs> him, he comes in dressed as Prince and everybody he just sits down and everybody just stares at him. And then Ed Brubaker leans into the microphone and goes, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and he was like, it's Comic-Con, you know, and I have a picture with uh, with him dressed as Prince on my Facebook page. Um it because you know he's like you dress up you come out here and dress up that's what i did <laughs> you know and uh and i've been to when star wars celebration was here um uh, i've also been to the long beach comic con uh which has grown i went there when it was just like one one little room and and at these this con you know you're ha- we had john barrowman we've had um the cast of nightmare on elm street three the dream warriors you know, you have um, you have a, a lot of people making it to these smaller cons now, and and that's becoming a big thing, which happens every Labor Day weekend, and then you have WonderCon, which happens on Easter weekend, and then up north. I mean, now there's Wizard Cons like almost every other place. Yeah, you know, Wizard they have a big Wizard one a couple of weeks after San Diego up in Sacramento, and I've always like, oh, I would love to go to that, and you know, Chris Helmsworth has gone to that one, and you know, like you know stan lee's gone to that one there's even stan lee's comic con that happens here like in october you know him and elvira have a con together and it's just it's it's ridiculous now like there's so many the con culture has spread and it's it's allowing people that that can't go to comic con the ability to go to somewhere somewhere even closer well then also too never 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 cheapen a smaller con i mean Hmm. comic con started San Diego Comic Con started in 1970, right? Right. 47 fucking years ago. <laughs> and it, it was the Golden State Comic Book Convention back then. It was small as shit. It was yeah. one room. You know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't anything really like, oh shit, you know, this is huge. This is a huge production. People came out, they enjoyed it, kept going, kept going, gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Which is what I you mean, want comic- in, a, in a comic exactly. convention. You want to get big. Now, now Comic Con. So, Comic-Con hosts what? 34 million visitors annually. San Diego plays host to 34 million people annually. This is just general tourism. According to figures from the city's tourism bureau, pulling in more than 700 million in state and local tax revenues, last year San Diego's convention center saw about 553,000 individuals total, meaning that San Diego Comic-Con makes up more than a quarter of the year's traffic by itself. So... This fucking thing is so big now. Yeah. And it started as that rinky dink, couple dudes coming up with something. And now it's not even just the fucking Comic Con. This fucking, I got, see, I want to use my notes because I'm so proud of my fucking notes. <laughs> you understand? So there are at least 17 separate rooms in the conventions that are used for panels and screening, ranging in size from 280 seats to 6,100 seats. The two biggest are Ballroom 20 which uh, seats approximately 4,900, and Hall H, of course, which seats um, just over 6,100. The neighboring Hilton Bayfront is also used with its main ballroom, Indigo, 
um, setting up, seating up to 2,600. The other neighboring hotel, the Marriott Marquise and Marina, also hosts a lot of the Comic-Con activity, among other things. The hotel serves as the anime headquarters and is where the, night, the nighttime films are shown. Keep in mind, I just t- told you how many it sits, blah, 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 how many separate rooms. That's all full. Like, it's, oh, it's yeah. wall-to-wall fucking people. You know, um, actually, I did notice, too, on the main floor, yes, it's full, but you don't feel like you're being bumped in. Like, nobody, it's not crazy. You know what I mean? Like, you can get around. Right. But it, it's, it's to capacity every fucking year. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, it's it's intense, man. Like, and if you, if you're, like, I remember when the Phoenix Comic Con, they were first starting that up. And um, I looked this up. Hold on. <laughs> See, all my notes. All my notes. <laughs> and I forgot the one thing I want to fucking talk about. So Phoenix Comic Con started in 2002. Okay. It was rinky dink. I know a lot of people were like, who the fuck wants it? It's no, no one cares. They, there was a lot of stuff going on when it came out that people were, you know, the geeks were, geeky people were excited. But most people were like, this, is, this isn't going to be a big deal. Everybody wants to go to San Diego, blah, 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 blah. Now, in 2016, we're talking 106,096 people went yeah. in 2008 last year. It's huge. Oh, yeah. You know, and the smaller cons are cheaper. I just want to throw that out, too. <laughs> um, I think I can go to Phoenix Comic Con for, like, I think it's, like, 40 bucks total or something. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like the long, yeah, like Long Beach Comic Con, when, when I go, it's usually, like, about... Mm, if I go for a day and it's something like 20 some odd bucks, you know, for like a 30 or 30 bucks for the day, you know, right. and it's just like, it's, you know, it's like, it's ridiculously cheap. But the, the, the thing is, is that like out here where I, where I live, um, there's also a, there's a, a San, a San Fernando Valley, like expo. I haven't gone to it yet, but it's out like in Granada Hills and it, it's a small, obviously small little, con that they have and they've had some people show up there you know um actors and actresses and a lot of uh, comic writers and stuff like that that show up there there's also a comic expo in, in downtown um even the long beach one that that used to be the long beach comic con there's also a comic expo that they have usually at the beginning of the year and that's all comics you know, and and I went there like once or twice, and I and it was cool because it was like, oh wow, there's like you know collectibles and shit, but it's mostly comics, writers, artists, and stuff like that there, and that was really cool. And you can find those. San Diego is one of those that I think it's great experience. It is a great experience to go and to at least have that experience. Um, the the but going into it, it's not the end all be all. Um, I think if, if most people, you know, are that complain about, oh, well, it's, it's too commercialized. If you haven't gone, don't shut up. Basically just, if you haven't gone, shut up. I mean, it's, it is an experience. It's something that you should go. And, and Adam and I've, I've said in the past, we'd like to go again, but this time with the site and stuff like that, we probably do things a whole lot differently, you know, going into it and probably have another experience again. But if Adam, you know, ever moved back to LA Definitely, he'd be go. I'd be taking him to go to Long Beach, you know, and then go to all these other ones, and we'd be doing probably that on more of a regular basis or WonderCon and stuff like that. And I've had a lot of fun going to WonderCon. I, I've always enjoyed that. Um, and I, I really, really, really want to go 
to Phoenix Comic Con next I'd like year. I mean, go. I just I'd like to go with you too. I just pulled up the prices. Full event. We're talking all four days, eighty five bucks. Damn. So a full event patch is good for all four days of the event. Pricing is blah, 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 blah. and then maybe I want to take some of the kids. Ten bucks each kid if they're under twelve. Twelve and under. It's called the sidekick badge. Nice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then if you only wanted to go one day, it's like twenty five bucks for Thursday. Thirty five I mean yeah, San Diego Comic Con is expensive because that's the that's the A ticket. That's the one that everybody wants to go to. That's that's where all the celebrities are going to be at and stuff like that. But these smaller cons have shit going on too, and they're not that expensive. If you haven't been to a con, you fucking up. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. You need to hook it up and see what's going on. I mean, shit, eighty five bucks is like eating out for one month right. or half a month for some people. You know what I mean? So whatever. So. Has Comic-Con lost its luster? No. That's my official answer. No. It's just changed. It's evolved with it's evolved with the medium. It's evolved with the market. Um, and it is what it is. And it really can't lose its luster when it gets bigger every year. Right. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. I mean, to me, I, I don't believe it. It's lost its luster in only how you perceive it to be. Right. And how you nostalgia wise, yeah. If you if you remember it from the seventies when George Lucas first went there to promote Star Wars, you know, and it was like he he's even said it was only a couple hundred people, you know, and and he sold shirts and stuff like that, showed the trailer stuff like that, you know. It's not that anymore. Um, however, I think it has scaled down from the way it was in the early aughts. I think when Adam and I went there, we were on the tail end of the scale down. Uh, because by back in you know early 2000s um you know to mid 2000s studios dumped a lot of money in there like every yeah. fucking movie known to man i think the thing is is the scale down meaning that with with that it's come back closer to its base like you will see like you know doctor who there now and you're seeing more marvel panels you're seeing dc panels you're seeing stuff that fits beforehand you were seeing like I think one year I remember seeing um, Stephen um, Carell there for Get Smart, you know, and like these, you know, and the, the year Adam and I went was um, uh, this was the funniest thing. And the story I remembered when we were t- talking about this, Adam and I got to um, was it Adam or I can't remember, but I, I got there in the afternoon and met up with somebody to try to get into um, I can't remember who it was you or John but trying to get into um, Ballroom 20 to see Big Bang Theory. And we were out in, like, the, the marina. Like, we were... Oh, no, we, it was, it was uh, you, me and John were out. There. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we're out in, like, the uh, out in like the marina. And it was like, we're not making it in there. Everybody wanted to get into the small hall to see The Walking Dead, I think, was later that day. And we dipped and went over to Hall H at that time. Right. And there, we just walked right into Hall H. And the panel that was there was Rintin, an animated movie that really, in my opinion, had no reason to be there. <laughs> but <laughs> but the panels and this was the thing is the panel was you it was nearly empty in there. And you had Steven Spielberg um, and um, Peter Jackson sitting at the dais talking. Yep. And I'm like, seriously? These two guys are here. And the reason why I remember that is because the guy that went to ask a question had a T-shirt and said, if I could do one thing is take a picture with Peter Jackson. And they saw that shirt and they brought him up there. 
and the guy got his picture with Peter Jackson and Steven Spielberg took the picture. I'm like, that's a fucking jerk off dream right there. You're like, I just yep. got a picture of Peter Jackson taken by Steven Spielberg. What the fuck? <laughs> and and it, so it's those kind of things where you're just kind of like, one, I get it. Nobody wants to see Rin Tin. But it was just like those kind of things of like, why is that there? You know, that, that really had no reason to be there. But now we're starting to see where they are putting money towards the, the, the audience that's there. So I think we've gotten that overinflation of everybody just being there. But now we're also getting that we're not everybody showing shit there anymore. You have, you just had D23 that happened here, which is Disney. So everything under the Disney lamp, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, all of that was shown this weekend, which means that most likely we're probably not going to see a whole lot coming out of them from DC. I mean, from uh, San Diego. Um, you also have, you know, you have um, you have some others that, you know, are like, oh, yeah, we're just going to show a little bit here and there and things like that. So, you know, Warner Brothers kind of really takes the cake when it comes to D.C. They usually I mean, to I don't know why I keep calling it D.C. Uh, uh, San Diego. And uh, I, so I think that that that's where we're going to see more of that. That's where we heard about Batman. Uh, Batman v. Superman was through uh, San Diego. Um, but. I think the 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 heyday is still there and i think if you go to just kind of enjoy yourself and experience everything you're gonna have a good time the thing the great thing too is the last time i went i didn't actually go into the con but i went to san diego and um we were just outside of the con and they have a lot of shit now like before everything was isolated within the con and directly across the street at the gas at the gas lamp district um, and but this time they actually had things spread out. They had a fucking Gotham zip line ride there. You yeah. had the Simpsons exhibition out there. You had this little park um, right across from Petco Park that was all food trucks. And you can't go wrong with food trucks. No, you really <laughs> I mean, you can't. can't. I mean, you're like, you're like going, yes, this is happening. You know, and and then you know, gas lamp and stuff like that. And then you, of course, you have other shows. You don't even have to go for the con. They have show a lot of shit going on outside. When I went there that time, I went and saw, um, uh, uh, what was it, Hollywood Babylon, and um, the Nerdist. And they had um, live shows that they were recording right there. Went to those. You know, there's there's a lot of things you can do down there, and it's a great time in that in that area. Um, so I, you know, personally, I think really just go for the experience, go to do it. I mean, you know, I, I, I want to, I, you know, Adam and I would love to go back and do it another time, you know, oh, and, yeah. and, and, you know, cause it was, it was fun. And this time we know kind of what we're doing. So even though it's been a few years, it's still the same. I mean, you do the same thing here, you do everywhere else. So, but, uh, but yeah, so my my question my answer to that would be no it, it really hasn't lost its luster but i think going there to see this to to get the the uh what do you call it the uh the things that only you would see by going there you know like the the clips and all that stuff you don't get that anymore because a lot of them are releasing like the minute it comes out it comes out online so you're not missing a whole lot some are even live streaming this year i think they're doing some um, on on YouTube. They're live streaming some of Hall H panels and stuff like that. So if you're not going, you can just watch it, you know. But I, I do still think that there is something in person um, to watch, to going there and, and being part of it, just to say you've been there. Yeah, I mean, then I did, I think the next con 
other than Phoenix Comic Con, which is my local one, the next one I would want to go to in LA is WonderCon, just because I haven't gone yet. Um, but yeah, going to the main Comic Con that'd be dope. Yeah, you know, it's it's just it's it's an awesome experience. Like the whole thing was awesome for me because and Adam hates crowds. I hate crowds, <laughs> but he did well. I he do, did well. <laughs> I don't I don't go anywhere really. Like I I usually just stay at home. I'm a homebody. So for me, this was more of just the act of going was a big deal for me. Like I was over planning. I remember Steve was telling me, he's like, dude, calm down. And I'm like, well, at three fifteen, we have to go. Like I was out. I, Cause I do that. It's just my personality. So fucking when we got there though, all that shit melted away. Yeah. And I was just like, this is dope as fuck. Even the hotel room was dope. And I was staying with John and shit, you know what I mean? And we were chopping it up. But the thing was, we're so fucking tired. We just come home and we come back to the hotel and go to sleep. Yeah, you, your hotel room is there you for know? you to sleep for a couple of hours and throw your shit. <laughs> sleep, shower, that's right. it. You know what I mean? I think we got pizza one night or something yeah. like that. I still, rem- and people- I still remember when we took the bus home and then that, uh, what was it? That, um, was it that English chick or? So I'd say that was kind of cute. And she was all like, she laid off. Say we talked to them like a couple of times and we're just like, right. You know, Oh, you need help to your room. <laughs> yeah. There was that one chick that was super drunk. Yeah. <laughs> and not too. And Canadian. Yeah. Oh, that was it. She's Canadian. nice. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> But and we I joked. Was also, her, we, I was, we joked around about like we should go, you know, go to her hotel, make sure she's all right. Right, and these were all jokes because I was married in 2011. <laughs> um, so, wink. Just the wink. act of <laughs> right, just the act of going um, was a huge fucking. I think that at first I didn't want to go, if I remember correctly. Like you were bringing it up, and I'm like, eh, nah, I'm all right. And then I kind of got into it and stuff like that. But um, well, you you were you, you were kind of, you were kind of like oh I don't I don't know it'd be you know it'd be a lot. And then I was like going, oh by the way I got you a ticket for Christmas. <laughs> I was like oh I guess I'm going. <laughs> you know so it was um it was awesome you know and and yes I don't do well with crowds I get um I'm not scared I just get nervous like I I think things are gonna come at me from different directions <laughs> it's too much shit to track so I did stay very close to Steve um for the majority of the time. <laughs> Um, just because I didn't want to get lost or anything dumb like that. Um, <laughs> he but, kept asking me like, oh, I go, just ask him to take a picture. <laughs> and then I'd be like, yeah, I didn't want to talk to him. I didn't know how it works because not only have I never been to Comic-Con, I don't go out. I don't deal with people that much unless I'm at work or home or at the grocery store. You and know I what I mean? Like, so I'm I, like, I remember just like, just ask them. He's like, well, I don't, I don't know. And I was like, excuse me, can we take a picture? They're like, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> He's like, oh, that's like, how oh, it, that's easy. Yeah, that's how we're, the I one, wish I could talk to that, people like that in real life. <laughs> yeah. And I can't find the fucking picture. But we got that picture of that chick that was dressed like Harley Quinn from the video games. I would not go up. I'm like, uh, I'm just going to be dumb. I'm just going to be dumb. I ain't going to do it. Take a picture with a special person. <laughs> <laughs> right and fucking slow adam walking up you know what i mean i have to go through but, those um, i have to go through those i still have the pictures in my on my hard drive somewhere i have to go through them and then <laughs> i need to grab them from you because a, a long time ago my computer crashed and um the hard drive went out and i don't have any of them <laughs> like i don't have any of the pictures so i need to get it from uh from you but the um it's just such a, it's such a great experience yeah. there's there's it's one of those things that if you're on the fence about it or whatever just do it it's not even that expensive really like when you when you when you put it into um the framework of vacations yeah it's 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 not that expensive to do um you'll get 
plenty of fucking visual stimuli that will last you for years. Yeah. Like, I think we were talking about Comic-Con for like two years <laughs> after that. Yeah. Um, so much going on. The, what was the biggest celebrity we saw? I think we saw um, Kate Beckinsale. Ooh. Yeah, saw her. I remember we walked past uh, Joss Whedon. Um, yes. Uh, what was some of the other ones we saw? Um, I remember the year before I saw uh, Michael Dorn and Brent Spiner. Um, we we were there for cool shit too. Yeah. Like, um, what, what's his name? Who was Spider Man before? Oh the yeah, Andrew one. Andrew Garfield. We we were there for that famous tear filled speech he did yeah. in the crowd. Yeah, when he comes about up, being Spider Man. Yeah, when he comes up in costume and then pulls it off, and he had and uh, and yeah, he was doing that. Uh, we went and saw. Oh, we did. Remember, we did the Nerdist, and they had. Uh, what was it? Uh, they had um, Karen Gillan and Matt Smith. Yeah, yeah. We went there, and w- Will Wheaton was there, and he's over there tr- totally trying to hit up on uh, <laughs> on uh, <laughs> on Karen Gillan. <laughs> yeah, it was so good, dude. And one of my favorite people ever is Will Wheaton. <laughs> like, I don't like his character in Star Trek. But the dude is the shit. <laughs> so if you if you have any chance to get a picture, shake his hand, fucking anything, do it. Do not fucking that. That's the one. The, my biggest regret though of Comic Con was I saw the creator of um, the Joker. Oh yeah, and I was too nervous to go up to him. He's my favorite villain, you know, stuff like that. And he, I kept making excuses. Well, there's a lot of people over there, <laughs> I, you know, whatever, whatever. And then the next year, he ended up passing away. Yeah. You know, so I was like, motherfucker, <laughs> you know. Well, it, um, well, like to me, um, I have a lanyard that I've had forever. And I got it in 2010 as a giveaway at San Diego Comic-Con. It's my Pac-Man lanyard. And uh, it's it's just a lanyard and it's got, um, you know, Pac-Man with the cherries and the ghosts and stuff like that on there. I've had it since 2010 when um, my girlfriend at the time and I walked up to this booth and they're like, oh, yeah, we have... Um, uh, we have these tickets, blah, blah, blah. And um, we went out to do the, we got the route, we got the tickets. And then some, we ended up walking away um, and we're supposed to come back and we tried to come back and just, there was so much, oh, there was an overflow from the Activision, you know, off to the side. So we couldn't really get in there. And then we finally got in there. We're like, yeah, we missed this, like by an, like ended up missing it by like almost an hour. But the person there remembered us and was like, and then handed us the lanyards because they were like, you got to get them at this time, blah, blah, blah. And remembered us and actually handed us those lanyards. And uh, I was like, oh, dope. Like, you know, it's like, oh, that was that yeah. was awesome. So I've had it and I've been using it. <laughs> like it's dirty and dingy now and stuff like that. I got to wash it. and see. And, but it's, you know, it's that that I got from then. And I've, I've had it ever since. I think I still think I have my Comic-Con badges in, in one of my boxes somewhere. But uh, yeah, mine's hanging on the wall. <laughs> it's always been hanging on the wall. It's it's right there with the fucking uh, the badge and everything. I lost it for one day. <laughs> Freaked out. And I lost my fucking mind. <laughs> I, I told every single child that was able to walk <laughs> to find this fucking badge. I said, no one is leaving the house until my Comic-Con badge is found. <laughs> this badge is more important than all of them. Find it. <laughs> And I think it was um, it was Hannah. Hannah found it. It had fallen, and I think um, William, who was very young at the time, had taken it somewhere. Kids love to do that shit. Yeah. By the way, if you don't, if you're having a child soon, <laughs> they like to pick up items 
move them to a different location and just drop them there for no fucking reason. I'm constantly looking. I spend 50% of my life, my awake life, looking for things. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I, um, I remember when you posted that uh, your profile picture on Facebook a couple weeks ago, he used a picture when him and I were standing in line waiting to pick up our badges the day before Comic-Con. And then I changed it by mistake. <laughs> like I was trying to do something and I, I'm going to put it back. Actually, that fucking, I love that picture. And it, it's funny because that was after what? Uh, a three hour car ride checking in and then getting over to the to that random uh hotel to pick up our badges and then standing yeah, and in my face, line my face is exactly how it should look <laughs> and mine is kind of like that. mine's the exasperated like uh let's just get this shit and right. go <laughs> let me let me well we can keep talking but i'm uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah so but yeah i i'm yeah and and so i think at this point you know comic con's still a good event um, however, if you're going for, you know, anything other than just enjoying yourselves, um, you're kind of missing the point of it. Um, one year, the, the first year that I went, there was a stabbing there in Hall H and, oh, yeah. and, uh, two guys got in a fight over a seat and somebody stabbed the other guy. And the biggest thing, like we heard about that and we, when we were waiting for the, the bus to, um, to go to the con, um, we were talking about it with other people and people talk to you randomly there. You know, that's one of the cool things is like, you know, people are open to just talking to you and you end up talking with these people the entire time because you're in the line for hours. So, you know, that was that was the thing that was weirding me out the most <laughs> yeah. was people were just like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, who are you? <laughs> yeah. you know. like, what the fuck do you want? <laughs> and, you know, you're talking to these people and, and all this stuff. And and it came up about that. And everybody's classic reaction was they're not us. They, they're not us because, right. you know, because if you're going there to to, you know, to enjoy it, it's like, fine, I say, fine, I'll just sit next to it. You know, you're going to be a dick. OK, fine. I'll just move over here. You know, it, it's not a big deal, but stabbing people over it. I mean, the last time you could see geek stab over it, unless it's something, you know, World of Warcraft related, in which case that shit's going well, down. <laughs> that can get fucking heated. <laughs> you know, it, if you're at BlizzardCon, <laughs> then shit gets real. <laughs> yeah, people have axes be- and shit. <laughs> Don't be fucking up. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I guess on uh, on that note, we should uh, move on into our douchebags. Yes. All right. My douchebag is pretty short, and I actually changed it. Is this is this is the kind of week that this not the kind of week that I this is the kind of shit that happens to me. Adam and I have talked about being more prepared going into instead of doing everything last minute. So by Thursday, I had picked all my stores, my douchebag and everything like that. Sunday rolls around and every fucking big thing happens. So I ended up changing half of my stories Which, I mean, and my douchebag. That really isn't a problem, though. You know what I mean? Like, you can make edits. Because <laughs> you already know the main work is done. Right. So making an edit isn't that stressful. You're just like, oh, I'll just tweak this real quick. <laughs> yeah. You know? But it's kind of like one of those things where you're like, yeah, it's done. It's closed. I'll just kind of chill. And then it's like, oh, fuck me. So then you go back and God damn it, now I gotta fuck with it. <laughs> now I gotta fuck with it. And then it's like, you know, so then. But um, this one here I, I, I added because I saw this on the news. And this comes from the LA Times. The quest for the perfect selfie at a pop-up gallery in Los Angeles known for its Instagram-friendly art took a disastrous turn recently and it became it came with a steep price. 
The calamitous scene unfolded when an unidentified woman crouched for a selfie in front of a row of crowns displayed individually on pedestals and fell backwards, triggering an unstoppable domino effect described by the gallery as a serene place. The video posted on YouTube Thursday captured the mishap at the 14th factory as each pedestal fell onto the next. Simon Birch, a British-born Hong Kong-based artist who conceived the art installation, told the New York Times that the selfie failed occurred two weeks ago and caused about $200,000 in damage. But Birch was not put off by the blundering snapshot. He told the New York paper that the museum has no plans to warn off visitors in the future to be careful because he said, we trust people. First mistake. Uh, he added, crowns are fragile things. They are symbols of power. Perhaps it's ironic and meaningful that they fell. According to the gallery, the fragile installation displayed crowns, or at least some resemblance of what a crown might be, uh, presented in precious trophies or boons. The, ti the title of his work was inspired by the electronic dance track Hypercane by DJ Fresh and is also a signifier of the ultimate human drug, power. The immense Art, the immersive art exhibit opened in April at an old warehouse in Lincoln Heights and features multimedia arts from around the globe. Um, the link in the show notes will um, uh, has the video, and it's one of those things. It's like that video of that. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's that guy that looks at the flat screen TV and then, like, I think touches it and then it falls over onto the other and, like, it takes out like four flat screen TVs in a row. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Cause you see her there with somebody, then she leans to take a selfie. She kind of jostles back and then you just see this dum, 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 dum as they go down. I'm like, Oh fuck the price of taking a selfie. It's an expensive one. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes people die doing that shit. shit. I know. You're just like, is it that, is it really that important to do that? I don't know. Let's go on to some other stupidity. I love when the when the the douchebags are just dumb. Yeah. Like every once in a while, I have to put one that's serious because it's just so stupid. But then it it just brings the mood down. Right. You know what I mean? Like. So. My other one was going to be a guy locked in the ATM machine. That's funny. I actually saw that. <laughs> I, saw that one. I was like, that's funny. <laughs> A David Brooks op-ed published in the New York Times on Tuesday morning has Twitter users hamming it up the piece titled how we are ruining america is brooks's account of how upper middle class americans have a step up on in society his initial discussion of residential zoning restrictions and the college administration's uh, admissions i'm sorry process being limited to those who are not wealthy or privileged is somewhat sound the absurdity emerges when brooks shifts his focus to the informal social barriers that are segregating the lower 80 percent Brooks blames bar, cla bar classes, podcast, David Force Wallace, and most bizarrely, intersexually, <laughs> intersectional, oh. uh, in intersectionality <laughs> as what's dividing America. If I can't pronounce it, it ain't dividing shit. <laughs> when he you're also like intersectional, uses, I'm like, what? That's right. new. He also uses a truly alarming um, anecdote about taking his high school educated friend to a sandwich shop. So, quote, recently I took a friend with only a high school degree degree, um, to lunch. Insensitively, I led her into a gourmet sandwich shop. 
Suddenly, I saw her face freeze up as she was confronted with sandwiches named Pedrino and Pomodoro and ingredients like Sopesta. You can tell I have a high school degree. (laughs) Sopesta and a bunch of Italian shit. I quickly asked her if she wanted to go somewhere else, and she anxiously nodded yes, and we ate Mexican. Obviously, this is an absurd reference point. Yes, not everyone knows what Chilio, which is pork, or sobrebebe, which is salami, is, which is completely fine, but that has absolutely nothing to do with education level or upper, quote, upper middle class culture, end quote. Um, for example, it's an Italian-American woman. I'm an Italian, the, the person who wrote this says. I'm an Italian-American <laughs> I was going to say, you're not woman. an Italian-American woman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an Italian-American woman from Long Island, and I would know what those meats are without even a high school degree. The piece, especially that paragraph, is dripping in condescension. Yeah. <laughs> and his thesis uh, that bar classes and meat sandwiches are what's ruining the country doesn't hold water in Donald Trump's America. So in light of Twitter using uh, users ripping Brooks' piece, a uh, favorite pastime, to shreds and making all the meat-related jokes, we rally the best of them up for the reading pleasure. So... <laughs> David Brooks. This is I'm gonna read a couple of these from Twitter. David Brooks, this sandwich has lettuce. It's leaves it's leaves you can eat. Idiot friend. Went to non Ivy League college. Me no eat leaf. No lettuce. <laughs> um I have a master's degree and I do not know these Italian meats David Brooks speaks of. Um my whole timeline right now, thanks to David Oh, that's a video. Um so basically I'm not gonna read through all these, but I found it funny and a little insulting. Um, just, it's so pretentious <laughs> to say, oh, you don't know these Italian words for meat, so you're an uneducated fucking trash. You know, it's basically what he's saying. You, you're, you, have, you will not succeed in life because you don't know this hipster shit. Right. You know, like, yes, someone living who's Italian-American especially in New England, they would know this. There's certain things I know being based on regional, where I came from, that people don't know here. That doesn't mean I'm smarter than them. <laughs> it just means that I was introduced to it. Right. You know, there's certain there's certain Italian at Italian shops that I'll know too, just growing up in New England. You know, but it's it's just it's so fucking asinine to say, oh, because my friend and we had to go get Mexican. Well, if you go to New England, a lot of them aren't going to understand that Mexican shit. Yeah. So does that mean they're dumb and uncultured? Yes. Come on. Let, let's, let's, <laughs> fuck you. Let's, let's get, let's get with the fucking program. You know, I, I think that that saying that, okay, yeah, people are, it's a little more difficult for them to get, to get ahead because of how much money they're making or um, residential zoning restrictions, which is actually something that's true. Okay. But then going into, well, my friend's an idiot. Uh, because she didn't know how to order a fucking sandwich. It's it's like when you go to Starbucks and they'll ask on the rare occasions that I go, because my wife likes a few drinks over there. I'll go, let me have a large coffee. And they'll go, a vente? And I'm like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> Give me a large cup. I know vente means 20. I'm not an idiot. You know, it's just people have different ways of speaking and different things that they know. And it's very pretentious to say, because you don't know this specialty name for something, or you don't know this foreign language name for something, 
you're an idiot. Right. You know, that's give me a fucking. Well, break. I mean, I, I'm sure he enjoys his sandwiches. That's that's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, at least we we hope he does. He knows how to order them. Well, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't have that problem at fucking Subway. <laughs> right. If I want salami, it's salami. <laughs> God damn it. But if you ask to double, that just kind of sends them into a tizzy. Yeah. True. Yeah. Can I? Uh, can I double that? What? <laughs> Quiznos is the worst because Quiznos weighs the protein. So if whatever protein you ask for, be it turkey, roast beef, whatever, they put it on a fucking scale, <laughs> and you're getting exactly the amount that everyone else is getting. If you, hey, can I get a little bit more meat? They go charge you double for that shit. They don't play games. <laughs> Oh man, that's true. That's true. What is it? Um, what was the comedian? He goes, "Yeah, if you go to Chipotle and you ask him for guac, they look at you confused. Is it's a dollar fifty extra?" <laughs> it's like, yeah, avocados always are more expensive, which sucks because they're fucking great. Right. I love avocado on any sandwich. <laughs> I'll put that shit on a tuna sandwich. Oh, I don't give a fuck. I don't give. I'll mix. I'll mix avocado with tuna. It's good. Okay. You you wouldn't think it is, <laughs> which hence my expression. <laughs> right. You wouldn't think it is, but if you if you take tuna fish, now just as a little background, I I've been eating healthier. So the last week I've been looking at recipes and different ways of eating that isn't Burger King. You know what <laughs> I mean? So I I've been checking out different things. But if you I tried this the other day, if you take tuna fish and you put avocado in there and just mash it up put some salt and pepper on it it's actually surprisingly good and fills you right the fuck up and it's an excellent source of um healthy fats and protein <laughs> <Da -da -da>. <laughs> <laughs> the more you fucking I was know. I was about to think that din, din, din. <laughs> we need to have that as a sound effect I know, right? at all times dude. I'll get in I'll work on that one <laughs> All right, so that is it for this episode. Please rate and review the show on iTunes. It helps us out immensely. Uh, Want to catch our back catalog? You can find them on Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, as well as our website, thelazygeeks.com. If you want to suggest stories for the show, you can share them on our Facebook page. We are on social media as well, Twitter and Instagram, all under the name The Lazy Geeks. If you want, uh, we want some feedback, drop it on the site, thelazygeeks.com, or send it to our mailbag, thegeeks at thelazygeeks.com. You can also find me on the internet on Twitter at a middle-aged geek, Instagram, middle-aged underscore geek, or you can check out my other podcast, the Extended Play Movie Podcast, and my and blog over at themiddleagegeek.com. And you can catch me over on Twitter at SapienTLG. All right, and be sure to tune in on Friday for our final entry for 1979 on the Cheap Seats podcast with Bruce Lee's Game of Death. So that is it for us this week. So until next time, peace out. This has been a production of the Lazy Geeks Network. 
available only at thelazygeeks.com. Goodbye.